Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 1985. My sister had just finished high school the year before. I was just entering high school. It was an exciting time. I was a little bit nervous. But there was something that happens in the black church around that time, too. I was promoted, all right. I was promoted from the eighth grade Sunday school class to the ninth grade Sunday school class. And if you're in the South, you probably know this. If you make it to high school, that's when you start teaching adult Sunday school classes at least once a month. And you were assigned to a particular class. Well, I remember that I got the B.E. Howell class. Now, B.E. Howell apparently was some past pastor from like the 1800s for my church, Good Street Baptist Church. And this Sunday school class was named after him because he used to teach it. It was a little bit intimidating because everybody there was some type of great educator, some, some potentate in the city government, somebody who was in the Masons. They all had some kind of clout and not just in the black community. And I had to stand in front of them and rightly divide the word of truth. These are people who've been living with the Bible all their lives. Some of them seniors, some of them middle-aged, some of them the same age as I am today. I recall that because when someone first asked me, when did I first speak? I thought about times when I was pitching business at the global agencies, you know, presenting. But that wasn't quite right. In fact, the first time I ever stood in front of somebody and was expected to deliver a message, teach, make it applicable, it was in the black church. That's really where I cut my teeth. And if you know anything about my story, especially in my younger days, I always avoided the microphone, whether that was for singing or speaking. So for an adult to say, it's your turn, you know I had to be coerced, I had to be pushed. It had to be mandatory, but I did what I had to do. And I had a really good rapport with this class. Fast forward to 2016, I think it was, maybe 17, when a friend of mine who ran the social media, director of social media for that Fortune 10 that I work for, AT&T, came to me on a Tuesday and said, Michelle, we need your help and I know you can do it. I said, what do you want, Joy? She said, well, We need you to speak, and we need you to speak on the concourse and fill in for the SVP because he's not available to do it. And I said, well, okay, does the SVP know that you're doing this? And she said, yeah, he's cool with it. I said, okay, what would you like me to speak on? Oh, you know, 
I saw what you spoke on when you went to Howard University for the social media conference. How about something like that? And all the work that you've been doing here in diversity and inclusion, corporate communications and integrated marketing. I said, okay, well, who's it for? And she said, brand innovators, have you heard of them? I said, no, I haven't, but that's okay. All right, I'll do it. So when is it? Remind you, this was Tuesday. She said, oh, it's Friday. Wait, you're asking me to keynote on a Friday and it's Tuesday? Well, you have all the stuff you need. I've seen you do it before. Just do it. Okay. So I did. If you've read my writings, if you followed the podcast, if you've heard me speak, you probably know that this is the opportunity that kicked off the speaking tour that hasn't stopped since 2016. And I had to recall because it is very important to look back to understand what's happening to you right now and what could possibly happen to you in the future. That I had spent half my career as a corporate media trainer. In that role, I literally helped executives, C-level executives, get ready to hit the platform and speak to thousands of people at conferences, to go on CNBC, the Today Show, it didn't matter, to present and speak, to be interviewed, to communicate. So I knew what to do. And then if you go all the way back to that Sunday school class, I knew what to do. And much like the show and much like all of my messages, completely unscripted. But there is one singular tip, a piece of advice that was shared with me on my first episode with Valerie Burton, you know her, she's the life coach, the 13-time author, my coach, <laughs> the one that trained me, my mentor coach, said on this show, and she said, you know what? The thing that speakers need to know is that it's not about them. When you figure that out, you will be able to share a message the way you've never shared it before. Well, you know, that was something that I knew innately because I didn't equate what I was doing in that Baptist church back in the 80s to speaking, per se, because it was. But I knew that my job was to deliver some kind of value. I wouldn't have called it that. I wasn't a marketer but something that these adults could apply and live by and live better lives. What am I telling you? I'm going to introduce to you today one of the six coaches that have come on board to NSA Coaching, and she's out of Alberta, Canada, and she is a women's executive speaking coach. And in this interview, she literally said exactly what Valerie said. First of all, you have to know it's not about you. And I didn't understand why that request on a Tuesday led to a speaking tour that didn't end and hasn't ended. In fact, I did two today. Because people say, she's a great speaker. I didn't think I was a great speaker. But you know what I always knew? 
It wasn't about me. And although I was on the virtual stage at the DCEO Women's Leadership Symposium today, and then back to back, hosted by none other than the brandpreneur himself, Nick Nelson, for his Brand Aid series, a webinar that I delivered around delivering value and content in social media, which by the way, the same concept applies. It's not about you. That I realized, I put all the dots together. This is my story. And this is why it happened the way it did. And I also got a stark reminder about how none of that was about me. As I tried to wind down, the introvert in me was full on because my extrovert had been on. I walked into my kitchen to make myself some lunch. I pulled out the fixings for some tacos. I had made taco meat just the other day. No need to order delivery, so I made the tacos. I forced myself to take the time to make guacamole. And you know what? Shout out to the Instacart delivery person who picked out the most perfect avocado. And I cut it in half, and I just adored the way it was just the right kind of green and no brown spots. I carved it out of the avocado, the meat, into a bowl, and I put some pico de gallo in there, and I put some garlic salt in there, and I put some lime in there, and I mashed it up, and in my head, I'm going over things. I have a friend who's Latino who does not like guacamole. I chuckle to myself. I'm mashing it up. And then I also think, wow, you know what? In that DCEO workshop that I did, that breakout session, wasn't it cool to have a hype person in there? And it was sent Marshall. And I go back in my mind, I'm like, wow, what a blessing to have these kinds of supporters. And then just as I poured my grape juice, and if you know me well, you'll know that that's my red wine of choice. I poured my grape juice, I put it on a TV tray, and I set it on the counter that I did not know was uneven. And I bumped it. And all the grape juice went across the room. The bowl of guacamole slid across the floor, doused in grape juice. The tortilla chips were soggy with grape juice. And my tacos were drenched in grape juice. And it occurred to me just then, in a moment you could be humbled. What I did today was not about me. And perhaps this was just one more way of God's reminder that none of what I do is about me. It's about all the people that I can support and that I can inspire to be rock star leaders and live incredible lives and chase their dreams. Lisa's in that business too. She's helping women executives push past the things that make them stuck and make them doubt themselves and make them second guess themselves and imposter syndrome and all of those things. She's battled them herself. In fact, she started to speak and then thought it wasn't for her. And then she unlocked a secret. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, 
and as I sit here covered in grape juice, I introduce to you Lisa Vanderquack. She is the Women's Executive Speaker Coach. Everybody, I'm so excited that I have one of my fellow coaches on the line with me all the way from Alberta, Canada. I have Lisa Vanderquack, and she is an executive coach, but for women who want to speak. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing? Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm doing great. So good to be with you. I'm so glad you joined me. And by the way, welcome to the team. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, you know what? I wanted to bring you on, not just to talk about your coaching, but also to talk about how people are beginning to look at their personal brands and how speaking is a part of that. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's have a culture soup moment. What do you think? Let's do it. looking at the threads I'm looking at what's trending and I specifically see this on LinkedIn but I see more and more people trying to translate their personal brands onto other um, social media platforms and even in real life you know and I always see people up speaking they take pictures of themselves on panels they show the social proof as it were why is this important well, it's important for visibility's sake as well. So for people to see that if this is part of what you do, it's part of your brand it's in terms of having social proof and in terms of your credibility as well. Mm -hmm. So should everybody look at speaking as one of those ways to amplify or embody their personal brands? Well, I think I think speaking is one of the I don't just think this this has actually been supported by research and 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 actually some very big name people yeah who who would attribute public speaking to the differentiator for their success meaning mm. what turned the tide for them in their success was when they not just started speaking but when they actually invested in becoming more effective mm. You know what? I'm, I'm glad you said that because in my experience, and I'm, I'm a former corporate media trainer, so helping C-level executives get ready for that big platform or even go on CNBC or go ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange and do the junket. Mm -hmm. um, but at more and more, I'm seeing more, I would say, um, regular professionals, not yeah. just C-suite, yep. um, trying out speaking because they, they know they've seen it. You know, they've seen their friends taking pictures of themselves and putting it on LinkedIn or, or Instagram. And they're like, me too. Right. So before you know it, they're jumping on stage at the first opportunity. What advice do you have for them? Because it sounds like you need to get ready. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I actually wrote a book. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's an ebook right now, but it's, it's the eight things you need to know before you step onto the platform. The eight things you need to, it's all about what you need to prepare. Mm -hmm. It's not just about getting on a platform and speaking. I think the biggest mistake that I see a lot of people who now begin to speak or put speaking as part of their business is that they think that speaking is just talking and giving yeah. information. Right. 
when it's not. My tagline is don't just speak to inform, speak to transform. Yes. And how you Absolutely. do that is you shift. So it's not about you, the speaker. It's about what is your audience going to take away? Yes. Yes. You know what? Um, a person we both know because mm -hmm. we came through the CAP Institute, Valerie Burton has been on the show before. Cool. And we talked about this in some of those terms. When you start to take the emphasis off of you and then understand that you're there to serve, how does that shift things for you on the platform? Huge, huge. I mean, if you're a person who struggles with any kind of nervousness or anxiety, you know, there's, there's always going to be a little hint of what I call the tinglys, like you're just, okay, you want to do a good job. But it shifts your whole energy and your focus when you begin to shift it from, it's not about what I have to give, although you want to give value. But how can I help make a difference in the lives of the people that I'm communicating to? And so when you do that, your, your focus needs to shift to not just giving a perfect, what I say, not being you know, perfection, but connection, not mm -hmm. just giving a perfect presentation, but how can you int intentionally connect with your audience in meaningful, personal ways? And when you do that, you begin to, your confidence level changes, your whole way of preparing changes, but also you realize, you know what? If I, you, you come face to face with some of the things that maybe that you need to hone or tune mm -hmm. up, and, and develop some skills because when you see that maybe you've lost your audience or you're confusing your audience, then you realize, okay, I need to change my messaging so that I'm concise and clear, but also that it's done in such a way that my audience feels like I'm talking just to them or I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. just to them. Yes. You know, that's a wonderful point. Some people get very, very nervous because they think of the sheer numbers that may be sitting before them. But when you think about the fact that you're really speaking to one person. Exactly. Instead of these whole, well, they may fit a profile, that's for sure. But you have to have that person in mind. And when it goes from one-to-one -one communications or it goes from speaking too many to one-to-one -to -one communications, how does that shift things for the speaker? That is huge. I'm so glad you mentioned that, El Michelle, because we, I have this saying that I picked up from one of my mentors, Craig Valentine, and it's this. It's when you're on stage or when you're on a platform and you're speaking to an audience, even like this on a podcast, mm -hmm. Well, not so much the looking part, but this is when you have an audience in front of you, you want to focus and you speak as if you're speaking to one, but you look to all. So yes. if you're in front of a visible audience, you want to look to all. You want to make sure everyone feels included. That involves your eyes and your body language, but you speak to one. So, so you have to change your language in order for them to feel like you're speaking to you. <laughs> yes. That's an entire shift. It is. And I, you know, I work a lot with corporate folks and folks in business and they tend to think that speaking is presenting a PowerPoint. And that's one form of it. Right. But the kind of speaking that we're talking about really is about delivering a message that will, like you say, transform. What's the difference? Well, the difference is this, that people walk away. So people, people can might sit and listen to you and feel good in the moment because of what you're presenting or what you're communicating. 
But when they walk away, what difference does it make in their life? And do they remember that message weeks, months down the road when they run into a situation that maybe you've spoken about that you've do, are they bringing something forward that's going to help solve a problem for them, shift a mindset, help them move forward? And that's what you want as a speaker. You, it's a privilege mm-hmm. for people to be in front of you. So you want to honor that by saying, I want to do, I want to give them value so that it can help them move them from where they are to maybe even one step closer to where they want to be. Yes. So how you do that is, is in the way that you communicate. That's huge. You know, we've talked about this. I do a whole executive presence platform around rock the platform. Mm -hmm. And while it does not center on this is how you should speak. It does talk about how you prepare before you go into the room to understand that the room isn't the only thing you're speaking to. To bring value is what you just said. So that after it's over, You can't leave the room because the people want to talk to you, not to ask you for something outside of maybe please work for me. Um, But, you know, tendency is if you go up there and regurgitate talking points that people will come and ask you for things like, oh, gee, can your brand sponsor X, Y, and Z? Or, oh, gee, do y'all have any job openings? Which is the shift that we want to make. We want them saying, oh, gee whiz, I want to learn more. Yes. You want to create- Where do I get your book? Yeah. You know, how do I hire you? How do I? And that's different. Totally different. Absolutely. It's totally different. You, You want to give them enough value that they can take what you've given them and use it right away, like, and apply it. But you also want to, create curiosity yes. and hunger for them for more. And that, and that takes skill, but that takes, and I think as women, I don't know if you found this out, Michelle, but I think as women, because we're so wanting to give away everything, it's yes. like we're very generous. And so we feel like we just got to give it all away. And we're always and, nodding. And we're always <laughs> nodding. <laughs> and so we feel like we have to you know, just give them everything in that moment, squeeze it as much information as possible. If people become overwhelmed, yes. they don't know what to do with the information until you you give them practical steps and how to apply that information. And that's part of the communication. So giving them less information, but really practical and tangible ways and connecting with them actually does a more service to your audience than giving them more information. Absolutely. You know, that's one of those things. And I have clients that will ask me, now I'm going to do this panel. And while I want to be a part of, you know, the overall message and, you know, be one cohesive panel, what can I do to stand out so that people will remember me? And Mm. that's one of the things that I always share with them too, Lisa, to make sure that you leave them on the edge of their seats. Give them something that's applicable now, but leave them wanting more. And that's typically based in the storytelling that you're telling or the problem that you're solving. And most people aren't real clear on what problem they're there to solve. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I, I think that's a huge thing what what I found with especially during this season where there's been more and more 
So I work primarily with women, and mm -hmm. that shift happened a number of years ago. But I, I find that as more and more women entrepreneurs and professionals want to or see the need to use speaking, they have forgotten that it's not just about getting out there. That's yeah. one. And they say, well, how can I get more gigs? And I'm like, well, what, is, what do you speak on? Well, I speak on this. Like they're not really clear right. about what it is that they offer. I said, well, you have to know because that's how the doors open. If people know you for that. And so what I will say is if you're not clear, your audience is not going to be clear. Right. right. And it's okay for it to be one thing to be known for yeah. one thing because that's what makes it easier for others to digest, right? And remember Absolutely. and think of you top of mind. You brought up something that's so important. I bring this up in my personal branding jetpack micro course. Understanding the difference between brand awareness and brand loyalty. And so often mm. <clears throat> when you think about personal brand, people automatically go to social media. And they think if they're posting on social media, then they're doing personal branding, right? And what you just yeah. said was, I want more gigs. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> Give me more gigs. But if yeah. you haven't figured out what that message is and what those pain points are for the audience that you're after, you can get more gigs, but what? Right. It's not going to stick. It'll be just yeah. like one-shot wonders. And there, yeah. So it's it's a huge mindset shift for people in this season, especially as you said. There's a proliferation of people out there wine speaking and stuff, and they and they get all excited because they kind of get this adrenaline rush being in front. <laughs> but again, it's like okay, that if you want to be known for something, and if you want to actually leverage the speaking opportunities that you do have. Yes. And that's the key is leveraging those opportunities. Then you need to be clear. Like you said, you absolutely need to be clear about mm -hmm. who you're speaking to, who is that one, the audience, but also your message. What is that unique value that you bring that nobody else can bring? Zero in on women executives. Tell us why that's important. Well, you know, I didn't start out that way. I actually worked uh, with all different people, politicians in the corporate, have done corporate training and still do some of that and, and just had a, a variety of clients. But a number of years ago, sure. first of all, I want to say this, El Michelle, for those who don't really know me, like, I am the least likely person to be doing what I'm <laughs> doing today. And tell us why, because we, we have no clue. It looks like you are perfect for this. <laughs> well, I was oh. definitely afraid of public speaking. I grew up so afraid, even when I was in university and had these you know, these study groups that we'd go in. I remember being in my master's program and it, we'd have these study groups and I knew my time, with, my turn was coming that I need to say something. I would be just petrified. I would be so afraid. So in that process, as I, I my background is I'm mm -hmm. a speech language pathologist. So once I started my career, I was kind of forced to do presentations and just came face to face with my inadequacy. So as I began to have my own personal transformation in terms of why those fears were there, some of those big fears, then I began to test it out and I yeah. just fell flat on my face so many times, so many times. 
And I actually came to a point where I said to myself, you know what? I'm mm. probably not cut out for this. I am not an extrovert. I'm not talented. This is not a natural talent for me. So I wow. probably shouldn't be doing speaking. That was until I met Craig Valentine, who became one of my mentors. And I, in the process of this, learned that what makes up effective communication is only mm -hmm. 10% talent and 90% yeah. skills. Absolutely. <laughs> so this ties in. Yeah. So this ties. Mm -hmm. So that made me really excited. I thought, okay, so I actually can learn this. And so I began through a process sure. and that's, you know, I won't tell the whole story by there, but basically, you know, did everything I could to become the best speaker that I could be. Because this is what I found is that even though I struggled with it inside my heart, there was just such a longing to make a difference in people's lives. And I knew that the opportunities that I had, right, that I wanted to do that. And so I thought, you know what? this passion, I've got to, I've got to give some skills to this. So actually a number of years ago, after I had been opened my business as a speaking coach, I came across this interview with a number of event planners who were event planners mm -hmm. for these influential stages. And they were on this panel and people were asking them about, you know, how do you get stay, how do you get on stages and so on. And they said that one of the biggest problems that they had at that time, was not finding women speakers. They, they, they could find women speakers, but finding women speakers who had three main skill sets that they were looking for. Because you see, the, uh, they wanted them to match the skill sure. set of their male counterparts. Because of the kind of audiences that they had, they, they needed women who could capture audience attention, give a clear, concise right. message, not be all over the place, Yes. And have a clear call to action, have a strong call to action. <laughs> How and simple thought, is that? And everybody's doing it. Like, Everything oh. <laughs> else under the sun. Yes. So again, it's not what is how you do it. And I thought these yes. are learnable skills. So that shifted and I just felt compelled to say, you know what? I'm going to just focus on developing the women to help them learn these skills so that they can, because I have such a passion for women to find their voice and to be in front of the influential stages. You know, so it's interesting and it's encouraging all at the same time. I have been at corporations sitting at big company meetings and you know, they go to these big bureaus and they find the speaker and the speaker comes in and she reads from a manuscript and the entire audience is looking around going, did they really pay her what so she could read to us? How does this happen? <laughs> you know, I mean, and maybe I it's know. because certain people have big names. I, you know, I saw a LinkedIn post from a guy who I'd never seen before, but you know, if one person in your community likes something, it shows up in your feed. But apparently he's mm -hmm. an absolutely great speaker. And he's telling the story about how a friend referred him to a gig and he typically will share his fee. And at this particular time, they said, oh, we don't have the budget, you know, and he went on and did it because of his friend. And so he got there, rocked their mm -hmm. socks off, stayed for the rest of the day, talked to students, talked to teachers, talked to whoever. 
and went back home, not thinking anything of it, just did his best. And yep. he said some three weeks later, he got a check in the mail for three times what he asked and an apology. And uh, ultimately, they apologized because they didn't think he had a big name. So they didn't think that he could carry it. And my, I decided to respond to him. I don't even know him. And I said, you know what? I find yeah. that many of the best speakers don't have big names, big books, big celebrity, exactly. anything. But they have a big message and they can carry that message. What can you say to reinforce That's that so to my listeners? Because I have a lot of folks that will say, oh, well, who am I? You know, why should I? Absolutely. It's so, it's so good. You know, again, another phrase I use with my clients is, and this is, again, something I picked up in my training and, and along my journey, but is you want to, people want to know that yeah. you're similar and not special. Because... If, if you are a big name person who, you know, maybe you climbed Kilimanjaro or you overcame this major thing or you had this, you know, just major thing that is out of the box, people can't relate. The mass number of people cannot relate to you. So they'll think, well, that's just you. I can't do that. I, don't, I wasn't brought up with that kind of a background. I wasn't, I don't have that kind of a degree or I don't, right. whatever. They'll, they'll make excuses. But when you tell a story that, brings people, brings a connection with people to let Absolutely. them know that, you know what, I'm just like you. And so everybody has one of those stories. It's about finding and being able to unearth and use those stories in a way that Absolutely. you do make the connection. So what with kind of encouragement do you have for my listeners, my clients that are out there that are saying, you know what, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, but why me? And then what can they do to get ready? Well, why, if you have a desire, then I think you need, I, I want to encourage you to follow that because I believe that e each one of us has a unique, just like each one of us has a differentiator in our DNA, makes us unique as individuals in terms of our fingerprint, our, you know, our eye print, we have a voice print. I believe we each have a unique life story that's meant to be told and a unique message that we're meant to put out there that only a certain, you know, only some people will, will hear it yeah. from us and not hear it from someone else. And so it's, it's within your capacity to put it out there. But, but if you struggle with that, I want to encourage you to do whatever you need to do. Find out what you need to do to become more effective. Is it just getting clear? Is it being able to put together a message? And tap into Elle Michelle's company. Yes. And just, she's got lots I'm of coaches. I'm so excited and I'm so <laughs> glad you're a part of it. Yeah. Go ahead, show us, show us, yeah. Oh, yes, can, please. Can I put a plug in here? <laughs> so I this love is it. something you can start with, and I, it's it's my book called Speak with Impact: Fifty Two Speaking Tips for Women to Build Confidence, Clarity, and Influence. And yes, yes. men men can benefit from it. I have lots of men. And then you can also go to my website, lisavandequack.com, and sign up yes. for my free speaking toolkit. That'll give you. Something By you can get on a regular and you basis. You know what? I got to tell everybody. I met Lisa through CPEC, which is an acronym for a training program that we went through at the CAP Institute. Shout out to Valerie Burton. We got certified yeah. around about Woo the same time. So it's so exciting 
to have her yeah. friendship, her sisterhood, and also to be a part of the team. Yeah. Go by her website. Make sure you get her book. And if you want to book her for some time, please do. Go to my website. There's going to be this big window pop-up that shows up that says meet the coaches click on that read the press release and at the very bottom there's a link where you can click for a consultation so i'm so excited to have you on the show lisa thank you you're so welcome and thank you el michelle i'm so looking forward to working within your organization and meeting the great women fantastic and you know what everybody gets to meet you again live with the other five coaches and myself on Friday at 11.30 Central Time Yay. across any platform. So if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, tune in to one of my channels and you'll get to meet these coaches and talk to them about what they do. Thank you so much, Lisa. All right. Have a good one. You're welcome. Thank you. What an exciting conversation with Lisa Vander Quick. That's the way you say it. She is all the way from Alberta, Canada, and she is one of the six coaches that are now working with me, either by strategic partnership like Lisa's firm and Tristan Layfield of Layfield Resume Consulting, or the other four who are working directly with me. I'm so excited to introduce all six of them to you tomorrow. That's 11.30 Central Time. And you will get to ask questions about each one of their practices. It expands NSC coaching into life coaching, deeper into career coaching, and also gives us some more executive coaching options. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Fast Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications.